Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. All right, well, good morning once again, everybody. All right. That was kind of weak, honestly, but we'll, we'll work with it. It's okay. Um, happy New Year once again. Um, I am excited for this next four weeks. Um, I'm gonna be, we're going to be walking through a new series, so if you're new with us, this is a perfect week for you to join in and, and get connected here at City Lights. We're starting home groups soon, and it's just a new season, it's a new year, it's a new series. We have a lot of new things happening, so if you're ready for some new stuff in your life, you found the right place. It's good. So um, if you don't want change, well, sorry, everything should change. If it has life, it should always change, so um, that's the way it is. Anyway, um, during, during this last part of uh, 2018, um, there was a theme, there was a word that just kept popping up into my, my reading, my time in prayer, just, just a wrestling and a trying to figure out, God, what are you saying here? Because um, do you ever use a word often and then realize later you've been using it wrong for years? Just curious. Or like you didn't understand what that word actually meant. That happened the other day. Uh, I was talking with Andy. We were just talking about a book that I'm reading, and part of the title is Elegy, the word Elegy. And he's like, well, what's that word mean? I'm like, you know, it's like, um, yeah, I don't really know what that word means. <laughs> and so we had, like, had to look it up. Oh, it's like a poem. It's like a dirge. It's some kind of past tense reflection, like that type of thing. I'm like, okay, that's, I thought it meant something else. So uh, it was nice to know what words mean. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And I feel like in our Christian uh, language, there's words that we use very often, and, and we kind of have like these different opinions of what they mean, or like these little different impressions, and so we kind of build this viewpoint, and we don't actually think about it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we don't actually think, what does that word mean? Um, and, and during Christmas specifically, this word kept coming up in all of our carols, and all of our songs, you hear this word, and in our scripture reading, uh, as we did the candlelight service together, this word keeps popping up, and, and we, were at a, we were back home visiting family, and we went to a Christmas Eve service, and my daughter looks over, and we were singing, Gloria, Gloria, in excelsis Deo, and she's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, glory to God in the highest, it's, it, it's Latin, I think, um, and the word that I'm talking about is glory. What is this glory word that we talk about all the time. I think it was in every song we sang this morning. It's in a lot of our vocabulary. What does it mean to glorify God, for God to have glory? What does it mean? And, and does it matter? Does it really matter if I understand this term? Or is it just a silly question? Am I just wasting time? Does it, does it, understand, does it, does it matter if I understand God's glory? Does it matter? Uh, when we think of the word today in our culture, so it's not just a Christian word, we use the word glory in everyday life as well. So I'm a big movie buff, and if you think about movies, there's, a lots, of, there's lots of movies that talk about glory. Uh, glory is often associated with war, like, so we got to do this for honor and for glory, right? So you go off to war, and you win glory, and you win honor. And, like, there's even weird comical movies, like Blades of Glory, which has, like, Napoleon Dynamite guy and Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. Like, the, the, so how is that glory, and then God says glory, and the angels come and say glory to God in the highest, and meanwhile, here's a figure skating movie with Napoleon Dynamite. Like, is this the same glory, 
You know, you know what I'm talking about. I, I'm a big board game fan, uh, thanks to Will Bowler, wherever he's at in the back. Um, and I, I play some real, I'm not talking like your basic, you know, life, Monopoly, those kind of games. I'm talking like real geek games. And I began to get really geeky. And I'm, I'm exposing a part of who I am today to you. I hope you forgive me and still listen to me and trust my word in the scripture. Um, but I began to like, I, bought the, I got this game for Christmas two years ago. And I realized all these cool little pieces were plain pastel pink. And I'm like, I'm going to paint these pieces because people are, and, and I'm going to do it too. So I took up painting miniature sculptures of Viking warriors. I think we have a picture, one picture. Um, they're really miniature, you can see. Um, I, the other picture where I blew it up, you, I couldn't get it on the computer this morning. It's incredibly geeky, I know, right? But in this game, you have these little Vikings whose goal is to plunder little towns and get glory points, right? So I'm playing this game for two hours, accumulating glory for myself. Meanwhile, my wife says, don't you ever tell my parents you painted miniatures. They will disown you as a son-in-law. <laughs> my wife has literally said to me, I'm glad you didn't do this before we started dating. <laughs> and I'm like, would that have changed? She's like, possibly. So like... Me trying to get glory in a game has not gotten me glory in life at all, right? Only the nerds in here are like, yeah, he's pretty cool now. Like, like it's the rest of you are like, yeah, Jesse's weird. So, and I'm, I'm okay with that. So, so how do we define glory? Like, what, what is the glory of the Lord? Like, why is this over and over? In fact, Scripture has the word or words in their languages for glory 356 times. It's a regular theme throughout Scripture. Like, it pops up in, like, almost every book of the Bible. So how do I look at the glory of God and distinguish it from all these other things that our culture talks about glory? Going off into battle and accumulating for ourselves glory or some figure skating movie or some board game that I play getting glory points. How do I distinguish that? Because God seems to take a big emphasis on his glory. You guys with me this morning? I, I, uh, theologian R.B. Dillard says that it's the singular splendor of God and his consequences for mankind. I don't fully understand what he's talking about there, just being, being real. And so what I want to look at is some different ways that the Scripture expre expresses the glory of God and begin to define it in other language for us. Is that okay? Um, can, we, can we look at it in, in a real practical sense? And this week, if you could look at this week, it's really an introduction to the glory of God, Okay. It's an introduction. We're just going to scratch the surface realistically over the next four weeks, but I think it's important for us to do. Psalms 19 verse 1 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So God says, like, all that I've created, the heavens and the sky, proclaim my glory. It shows my glory. It shows who I am. It shows the glory that I bring to myself. It shows that. In Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to mainly look at Isaiah and and Psalms today. Is that okay? I felt like, like there's a lot of scripture talk about it. Isaiah and Psalms is really where we're going to look at this morning. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is having a vision of the angels in the glory presence of God in the temple, right? His presence fills the temple here. Um, and this is what Isaiah says in verse 3. It says, and one, talking about the angels, called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
So Psalm says all of heaven, the stars declare his glory. The, the angels in Isaiah says the whole earth is filled with his glory. And in Psalms 113 verse 4, I actually want to read the whole chapter. Um, I don't think I, did I put the whole chapter up there? Yeah. 113. This is Psalms. This is a, a hymn that the psalmist wrote to celebrate God's rule in, in their lives. It says, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on from heaven and the earth? He raises the poor from dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with princes of this world, of, this, of the people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. The psalmist here says, we see earlier that he's, a, he's the heavens declare it. Then we see Isaiah say the earth is filled with it. Then the psalmist goes back and says, it's above, his glory is above the nations. It's above the heavens. This God who's seated on high, it begins with saying that his name is above everything. He's created everything. That same God of glory also who's above the heavens looks down at the widows and the poor and gives the barren woman a child and the poor raises them up. So God's glory in this Psalms is displayed. So he's so above us, and yet he's so involved in us and with us. In that society, the widow without a child, the, the barren woman, was the lowest of the low of humankind. Make sense? And the psalmist wants us to recognize God is so glorious. He's so above everything that he's in everything, that he's involved with us, that he's concerned with us. My mind blown, right? That's the glory of God in, in, this, in the Psalms here. Psalms 26, verse 8, says this, O Lord, I love the habitation in, of your house, the place where your glory dwells. Time out. So wait, God's everywhere on the earth. God's above the heavens. He's involved in the details. His glory is what he does and what he has created. It's something that we see all over. And yet, the psalmist also says, your glory rests in this place. Your glory is in, the, in your house. It's in your temple. It's in the place where the saints come together here in this passage. Make sense? It's where his people come together. See, the glory of God is found in his presence and in his splendor. So let me say it another way. It's in his physical manifestations, the things he's created, these movements, these, these divine moments. Like when we see in the Old Testament, God shows up in fire and in a cloud and his presence fills the temple and we see the glory fall on people. There's these moments where it's physical and then it's also his character, his attributes, his love and kindness toward us. So God's glory is displayed in the physical and in the splendid, the splendor, it's his physical and his character manifestations. And yet there's these, also these verses that show that there's a different glory in small spaces and in moments and in time. There's something else. There's evidence everywhere, and yet there's a weightiness of his glory in places and in moments. So it's everywhere, and yet it's also strong in moments and places. Does that make sense? So let me explain these two things um, the best I can. Um, my wife and I, we went to the Grand Canyon two years ago. 
uh, I think, yeah, two years ago, something like that. And uh, honestly, we, we went to Sedona because that's where she wanted to go, but I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. I had been there when I was 16, and I wanted to go back. And she's like, it's a three-hour drive. Do I really want to drive to see a big hole in the ground? And I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> or at least, at least I do. And so we get there, and to me it was the best moment of our trip. We get there, and we begin to walk, and it was cold in the morning. It's in the middle of summer. It's August in Arizona, and yet it's cool in the morning. And we begin to walk, and the sun's bright and shining, and we see the Grand Canyon. And who, who's ever seen the Grand Canyon? Just curious. Okay, so, so a few of us have been there. Pictures don't, don't do it anything. But we're there, and we're talking, and we're walking along the, the rim, and my wife begins to cry. She's crying not because of the canyon, the hole, but she begins to talk about the glory of God and how awesome God is to make this thing for us to see. Does that make sense? So his glory is all over creation. His, like she wasn't looking at that giving glory to the hole in the ground. She was looking at that giving glory to the God who thought of this thing. Like, God, how can you make this thing to stir this emotion and this feeling, this, this sense of awe and wonder in me? How, how can you give me this moment to be here to experience this thing? Make sense? So that you have glory in, the, in, in that sense. And you also have, I've been in a place a couple times in my life where I've, I've been in a worship experience where the tangible presence of the Lord was different than it had been any other week. And I remember being in a place with a thousand people and we begin to spontaneously worship in the presence of the Lord for 10, 15 minutes straight without any music playing. There was a different glory that came into that room than it did the night before when we sang four songs. Make sense? There was a presence. There was a weightiness to it. So there's something that I can see and behold. I can, I can view. I can take in. And there's also this weightiness. In fact, Scripture actually has different verses for the glory of God. We see the Shekinah glory, this visible manifestation. God shows up in fire. God shows up in a cloud. God shows up in splendor and signs and wonders. It's his Shekinah glory. And then we see this word, his kabod. It's this weightiness. It's this heavy feeling, this sense of wonder, like, God, your presence is here. And it's doing something. And it's changing something in me. And all I can do is bow down. All I can do is begin to worship you. Does that make sense? In the New Testament, we see the word glory is, is doxa. It's where we get our word doxology. We sang this morning specifically the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. That, that is the doxology. We've been singing it for a couple hundred years. It's our, our ology, our study of doxa, God's glory. It's how do we wrestle with this? How do we define it? What do we believe about him? So we praise him, we give him glory. That makes sense? We have these words for it. It's something that it's, it's a belief in. It's a singing together. It's a seeing with our eyes. It's an experience with, our, with all of our senses. We, God has constantly been inviting us into experiencing his glory. Make sense? Isaiah 43, verse 7. You guys still with me this morning? All right. Isaiah, this is the same prophet we talked about a few minutes ago. 
he begins to prophesy and he begins to recount what God is doing. And in verse 7, he says, Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So God not only has glory, but he created us for his glory. He created us for it. To know it, to experience it, to see it. He created it for us. We were made for it. It's, it's the purpose of us. If you're wondering, why do I exist? It's for his glory. If you're like, what's the purpose of my life? It's for his glory. And, and it's not just to give him glory, it's to experience it, right? I, Psalms 106, verse 20. I know we're doing a lot of flipping, but I want you to see this. This is a theme that we need to embrace and understand. So Psalms 106, starting in verse 19. This is the psalmist looking at the beauty of God and then recounting the history of God's people, God, of Israel. They made a calf in Horab and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats brass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and also deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said he would destroy them, not had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in breach before them. We see that God has created us for his glory. And what has happened here is it says in the Psalms that they forgot God. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. If you look at the book of Romans in the New Testament, we see Paul writes the same thing. They ex exchanged the glory. They ex exchanged God for something else. They exchanged the creator for the creation, begin to worship it. If you understand that passage, literally, God has invited them to come up the mountain to where his presence was. And they are like, no, that's scary. It's terrifying. I'm not going to do it. And God's like, all right, you're not going to do it. You can't do it then. Moses, you come up as a representative. They had literally said, Moses, you go. And so God has Moses come up. And what happens? Moses gets the, the Ten Commandments, the word, the law from God, right? And he comes down and he's face is filled with glory and what have they done they've rejected their trip up the mountain into his glory and they when they got scared that Moses wouldn't come back down because it looked terrifying to them they're like hey let's gather all of our our um our earrings and our jewelry and let's make something I don't know let's make an ox let's just do it and Aaron's like their their lead priest like all right guys let's do it <laughs> and they give them all together right it's, it's actually, there's so many funny things in that story. It's, it's kind of sad, actually, and funny at the same time. But anyway, God has invited them to come in the presence. God has invited them into the glory. And instead of giving him glory and getting into the glory, they bow down and give glory to a, a statue. A statue of an ox, which I love the psalmist says, they exchange the glory of God for an image of an ox that eats grass. Just so you know how dumb an ox is. That's why I'm not a vegetarian, by the way. Anyway, kidding. That's not my theology on that at all. So I'm just joking. See, I, these psalms, these verses here remind me that we must have our eyes and our hearts on his glory. Not all these other things in my own glory or the glory of that thing or that job or that experience, that relationship, that desire, like whatever his created thing is. It's, these things are false glories, and, and I can't exchange his glory for something else because it's not the same thing at all. I was made for his glory, not for that glory. 
I was made for that. I can't exchange these things. My final passage I want to look at this morning with you is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. And some of these words will probably sound really familiar if you've been at church for a while. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Does that sound familiar? Just curious. Anybody else know? Somebody other than Isaiah who has said these words before? Just John. John the Baptist, right? Before Jesus comes on the scene, you have John in the wilderness, the crazy guy eating locusts. A voice crying in the wilderness, make, make straight the paths of God. And here comes Jesus. And John's like, here he is. Right there he is. I can't even, I'm not worthy to tie his shoes. Right? Let's read the rest of this prophecy though. Let's read the rest of these verses. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah is the voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way. Preparing the way for what? The glory of the Lord. Well, who is the glory of the Lord? It's Christ. Christ has come on the scene as the fulfillment of the prophecy. If you want to know God, if you want to know His glory, it's found in Jesus. It's found in Christ, and John gets it. John's like, here He is. I'm doing my job, preparing the way. Here he is. John cried out for everyone to see God's glory in Christ. It's the full revealing of God's glory. It's God becoming flesh, dwelling with us. I want you to know this morning, God has always desired you to see and know his glory to experience his manifested presence in moments and in places and to know his character and his beauty. He's always desired that. That's why he sent his son. That's why he sent Christ. See, Moses goes up the mountain, like I said, and Israel rejected this moment to see God's glory, to be a part of it, to be in the glory of God. Make sense? This presence, this moment. Moses' face shone when he came down from the glory of the Lord. That They said, hey, Moses, you're too bright from this glory thing. Put a veil over your face. Isn't that wild? He literally was glowing to where they couldn't look at him because he had been in God's glory. So they, he put a veil over his face. That's crazy, right? They rejected that moment. I would say the day that God is still inviting us, each one of us, into an experience of his glory, to an awareness and an experience of his glory. But what happens is, we don't know what to do with it. That's why the shepherds were trembling until the angels were like, hey, fear not, right? I bring you tidings of good joy. Glory to God in the highest, right? Peace on earth to men, right? This is the, the news that he brings. I'm bringing God's glory. I'm bringing peace. You're invited into this. Stop shaking. Stop running from this thing. Come into this thing. God is still doing that. Let me, I'm, I'm going to give you a personal story that will probably scare some of you, okay? Because um, I, want, I want us to grasp this this year. I want us to wrestle with this this year and go into it, not flee from it. Is that all right? I grew up Pentecostal. I grew up charismatic in a, Pente in a Pentecostal charismatic church, right? 
And uh, so my whole life I saw these manifestations of the presence. I, I saw prophetic words. And, and how many of you guys have heard of the slaying and the spirit thing? Like you've seen like the Benny Hinn clips and people are like flying all over. And you're like, oh, what is that? It's weird, right? That's the church I grew up in, basically. Um, that is not what we typically experience here on Sunday morning, right? Um, I don't think we've ever experienced that here on Sunday morning. But I grew up in this, and I had been as a kid in so many prayer circles where I'm like, no man is going to push me to the ground. It's not going to happen, right? Not going to happen. And I had seen some evangelists come in and try to put the stand behind you and get that knee between your legs so like you're easily tippable, right? I'm like, not going to happen, boss. Not going down like that, right? But I believe God does these things, absolutely, but I had never experienced it. And, and one night... A friend of mine were talking about this thing. I'm going to give you two quick stories because I want, you, I want us to wrestle with this together, okay? My friend and I were talking. We want to experience the glory of God, the power of God so much that we experience what it's like to just go in his presence, whatever that is. I don't, I don't know. We've never experienced it. The next night, a guest speaker is there, and he looks at my friend. Out, he's preaching. So it would be just like this moment, and he points to somebody. So everybody's like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to pick? Tim, it's you. <laughs> But he called him forward, and, and he came up, and he stood here, and my, the pastor literally said, you, you, wanted to, you want to feel the presence of God. And, and nobody had heard this conversation, right? Just me and my friend. And he's like, you're going to experience that. I'm praying for you. Never touched him. Nobody was behind him. And I watched my friend from the pew. I was sitting over here. Watched my friend fall over. I'm like, yay! <laughs> and then so the pastor's like, you know, people were clapping, like, yeah, God did something there. And the pastor's talking, he looks over, you, I'm like, come forward. Literally, this, I'm not making this up. This is a true story. Like, you guys who trust me know, know this. He says, come up here. I'm like, you're not going to push me, boss. Not going to happen today. And I come forward, and he never touched me. And I fell, and I just felt this overwhelming sense of God's love. It wasn't like I was in some weird trance, and I was floating in outer space, and I saw the heavens up. I just, like, felt God's glory to where I could no longer stand, and I felt him just remind me his love for me. A few months later, I'm in, a, in another service, and at this point, my fear had gone. Like, I was no longer afraid of this thing. I desire this thing. Make sense? I desire, God, whatever your glory is, I want to experience that more. I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of anything, and, and if somebody's a weirdo, I, I can discern that. God's given the gift of discernment to the church. So if you're a weirdo, see you later. And, and so I, I, there's these guests speakers, these two women from D.C. had come into our church, and in charismatic Pentecostal churches, we see in Scripture about the anointing of, with oil to pray for the sick um, and to anoint somebody for something. They, we took it very seriously. We, we had bottles of oil everywhere in my church growing up, just bottles of oil. Like, not like what you get at the store. This is like legit church oil, right? I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, it's some special gold bottle. It's awesome. Um, we'll get some for next week. It'll be great. And so I remember this day, I got this brand new button up purple shirt, not this plaid, not some kind of relaxing. I mean, when I was a kid, you went to church in like fancy clothes, which terrifies me now. But anyway, I'm, I was, so I'm like, I'm probably 19 at this time. And these women are preaching and they stop and they say, Hey, can you come up here? We pray for you. We feel something that the Lord wants to prophesy over you. And I'm like, all right. So I come up front, and, uh, and she, she's like, she began to prophesy over me, just words of life, words of encouragement. Honestly, I don't remember what they were at the time. I just remember that my heart was really encouraged. And she said, do you like your shirt? 
I'm like, uh, it's okay. <laughs> She's like, but are you like okay with, with it getting ruined? I'm like, I guess. She literally grabbed the bottle. Like, and usually what you do when you pray for somebody, you get the bottle, you put your finger on it, you get a little bit, you just smear a little oil on the forehead. Like that's it, right? And some of you guys are weirded out by this already. I can feel it. She's like, do you like your shirt? I said, well, it's okay. She's like, okay. And she looked at my mom because my mom was like a, on staff there. And like she knew that I was her son. And she's like, and my mom's like, whatever. Like, I don't know. What, what are you going to do? She took the bottle and dumped it dumped it on my head like David getting anointed you know to be king and there was a split second of anger like and then there was another second of oil in my eyeballs and then there was a second of humility God whatever you're doing you better do it now and then I felt God's love just wreck me and I dropped to the ground and I, it, once again, it wasn't like I went into space or something like that, like, which is always what I thought it would be. I could hear people around me, but I kept hearing God say, I love you and I got you. I love you and I got you. That's kabod. Like, at least for me, that's what it was. And what I wanted you to understand this morning is not that we're going to have everybody come up here and we're going to dump oil on your head today. That's not what I'm saying at all. We might do that sometime. We might never do that sometime. And that's not the point. The point is, do you value his glory? Do you want to see it? Do you want to encounter it? Because you were made for it. it doesn't, I don't care where you've come from. I don't know what your background is. I don't care what your belief system is. I know that because you are a human being on the earth, you were made for his glory. To God be the glory. And so I want to step into it. I want to give it to him. I want to receive it. I want to pour it back onto him. I want to bathe in this thing. That's what I want. Listening to a message from Bill Johnson the other week, he said, the glory of God is the manifest presence of God. It's his presence, the glory of God. It satisfies every hunger that nothing else is able to satisfy. That's true, and I know that. Because when I'm in his presence, when I see his glory, I don't have a care in the world. Because he is glorious, and he's my only concern, he's my only delight. You were designed to fit to live in the glory of God. And every experience of the glory of God is an invitation for you to come back to more, for more. You were made to experience it. And the more you experience it, the more you're going to want it. That's where I'm at right now. Does that make sense? I want you to understand, Bill Johnson says it this way, it's, the glory of God, it's not, it's not about consciousness of God. The consciousness of the glory of God is not a mental exercise. It's a heart awareness. There is something mentally that was in my mind prior to those things, prior to those moments. Like, oh, I know the Grand Canyon's beautiful, but then I go and my heart understands it. It's aware of it. Oh, I know God's presence is real and he heals the sick, but the first time I laid my hand on somebody who had been paralyzed for three years and they got up and their family's crying, my heart became aware of the glory of God. Does it make sense? Scripture tells us that the heavens declare it, the earth is filled with it, and God's desire is for us to be partakers in it, to experience it. He's saying, come up the mountain, and then when you come up the mountain, be like Moses and go out to where your face shines because you've been in my glory so long. Everybody else is like, what is this? 
God is calling the church to something different than religious tradition and theological instruction. He's calling us to a presence-based people. We spend time with him, we know him, and we shine because we're aware of him, because we've been with him. I love, I love the passage in after the day of Pentecost happens, the disciples, who are a bunch of goofballs, right, they begin to preach, and I love that passage that says they knew that they had been with Jesus. They, they were uneducated men, but they knew they had been with Jesus. I love that. That's the glory of God. They were with Jesus, who is the representation of the Father. He has the glory of the Father. You know what's... I'm, I'm jumping ahead in weeks, okay? But in John, you know what Jesus prays and says to God? The glory that you gave me, I gave to them. Once again, mind blown. Like, that is our reality that you and I should live in right now. I want to encourage you, don't be afraid of a Mount Sinai moment. Don't exchange the glory of God for some other fake, false, half-glory. Don't exchange it. Worship team, would you come forward? This morning I want to ask you, does the glory of God matter to you? Because it, it's the only thing that matters to God. You might say, that that sounds really vain. Well, it would if my glory was the only thing that mattered to me. Like, that would be really vain. Like, oh, my glory is the only thing that matters to Jesse. That would be really ridiculous. But because God is perfect, perfect, that he is the only thing that sustains and gives life, that he brings true value, and in his presence is fullness of joy, right? For God to not desire his glory would rob us of experiencing it, and he would no longer be good for us. Because God is good, because he is perfect, his ultimate desire is his own glory. So for me, it has to take the highest priority in my life. The glory of God has to matter beyond anything else. And I'm not just talking about those experiences like I told you about. I'm not talking about like those like things, right? I'm talking about his glory in every sense of the word is what I should live my life for, what I run after, what I engage in. Is your heart aware of God's glory? These next few weeks, we're going to look at a couple different aspects of God's glory and, and how we engage with it how we go after it, how we model it. Is that okay? But I could, I mean, we're only preaching four weeks. I could preach on this for six months, and we would just scratch the surface of the glory of God. We're going to go after this together, and I want to invite you to, to remove the fears in your heart like Israel. Like, Jesse, you said the word charismatic, Pentecostal, and that terrified me because I grew up Lutheran or, or whatever or I don't know any of these things, and the only things I've ever seen are the things on the internet. I want to encourage you to just remove that garbage, and let's just ask the Lord to reveal himself, and we give him glory. Does that make sense? I, I've, I've had conversations with many of you where some of you guys have had weirder experiences than me. Some of you guys have literally seen angels, and some of you guys have never seen anything, but you just plowed away in obedience with the word of God and coming to a church and, and, and just giving him glory with your tithes, your offering, your services. And I'm not trying to compare one to the other and say one's good, one's not. I want, I want you to hear me. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say is we want to do everything for God's glory. We're going after this thing. And I want you to remove your fears. I'm on a pursuit of his glory this year. 
And I, I want to invite you to come with me. I want, you, I want to invite you to be on this journey with me. Would you stand? I want to pray over you, and then we're going to worship just for a few minutes. But um, if your desire is to know more of the glory of God or to experience it in new ways, I want to invite you as we, I'm going to pray over you. Just put your hands out and like receiving and asking God, because God, God hears our cries, and he desires you to know his glory, so why would he ignore this prayer? So I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to worship together. Father, I just thank you that you have invited us to be partakers of your glory and to see it and to give you glory and to recognize your glory. So Father, I pray for eyes to be opened to you everywhere. The heavens declare it. The earth is filled with it. There are moments, there are Kabod moments, there are Shekinah moments when you show up and display in full force. And Father, let us have eyes to see. Let us have ears to hear. Let us have hearts that believe and trust in you, that go after this thing. So Father, I pray right now, I bless this church with an awareness of the glory of God. Whatever way, Holy Spirit, you want to do that, we're, we're game for that. We're along for this thing. But Father, I, I decree right now an awareness of the glory of God that we would see you and know you more, Father. Father, to you be the glory in our worship. Holy Spirit, come and move, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship. Thank you.